1: It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries.
0: Alright everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. My name's Dan Johnson, I'm your host, and uh, we have a really awesome podcast today, but before we get into all that, I want to take this moment and do a little housekeeping, right? The first thing I want you to do is make sure that you go to the Iowa Sportsman Facebook page and follow along, because there's a lot of cool things that happen on that Facebook page. Second, I want all of you to go to the Iowa Sportsman website, iowasportsman.com. And there is even more great content on the website, right? They have a lot of articles that come through that platform in addition to their magazine, which is the third thing that I want to talk about. And that's if you're interested, you need to subscribe to that magazine because there's even more great content uh, on the magazine side of things as well. So you got the podcast, you got the website, and you got the magazine, which is the trifecta uh, If you are an Iowan and you love the outdoors, everything that you need is on one of those three platforms, right? So hunting, fishing, waterfowl, deer, turkey, we cover it all in in all those platforms. So uh, be sure to follow along on social media, subscribe to the magazine, follow the the blog on the website, and uh, I think at that point you'll have your bases covered. So now on today's podcast... We're going to be talking with returning guest, Noel Gandy. Now, had, Noel had some ups and downs this past season, right? He uh, he had an encounter with an absolute giant deer. He wasn't able to connect on it. Uh, there were some things that he wished he would have done different. And I think as bow hunters, and, and bow hunters specifically deer hunters, we all can look back at uh, a season and say, Man, I wish I would have done one thing different because that one thing may have changed the game big enough to where instead of talking about the deer you missed, you're sharing the story of the deer that's on your wall. So that's what this podcast is about today. Basically do-overs. Uh, if, you could have, if you could go back and change time, knowing what you knew now, uh, what would you do different? And uh, I have that conversation with Noel today. So enough talking. Let's get in today's podcast. Mr. Noel Gandy, how you doing, man? Hey Dan. It's good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, you too, you too, man. How when when did we talk the first time? It's been a while.
1: Yeah, I was thinking back to it. You and I were talking about deer season opening up like within a day or two from when we talked. So End of September, I suppose, very first of October. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: And it's kind of funny because that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. We're going <laughs> to yeah, we're gonna chit-chat about how your season went. And uh, the title of this podcast, I'm, I'm not sure what it's going to be right now, but it's going to be something like uh, do-overs or mulligans or whatever because it sounds to me like your season didn't go how you envisioned it to go. Is that is that an accurate statement?
1: You that is probably the nail on the head. Do do overs. I uh, there there are a couple of things that I would have done a little differently, having I had the information I've got now. So yeah yeah that's that's pretty good.
0: And I I'm gonna say this this is I'm not gonna even say it's a bold statement because I know a lot of guys who wish they had do overs. Man, you know it's like I was having a conversation with one of my buddies the other day, and I said, man, just imagine what my wall or all or our walls would look like <laughs> if we were an inch lower or, you know, 10 oh yards closer God. to this trail. You know what I mean? Like I would have yeah. like four, four booners, one over 200, you know, I, not, you know, not to brag, but, but I don't, right. It's like, I've had the close calls. I've had the, the encounters or the bad shots and, uh, sometimes it works out in your favor and sometimes it doesn't, right.
1: you yeah you said a mouthful, gosh, just the beer that I have that I have hit yeah. with with archery equipment an inch here or there, you know, hit and got away or either just shot right over their back. I'm like, you man, I know two booners and uh and, and a couple of really solid poking young beer, yeah so, gosh yeah. Uh, uh. That's what keeps you up at night, though. That's what <laughs> I dream about it and everything else, man. What, what should I have done differently? Right.
0: I I often find myself, uh, when I have a spare second throughout the day, going back to trail camera pictures Oh, maybe like five to ten years ago and just flipping through yep. some of those older trail camera pictures and just being like, man, I wish I had that deer on my wall, but I screwed up or <laughs> he busted me or, you know, one reason or another. So so um remind everybody what part of the state you live in and uh, what do you do for a living.
1: Sure. I'm in uh southwestern Iowa actually in uh, Shenandoah. So about as far southwest as you can go. Uh just about it. And uh I'm a church planter. My family and I moved to Iowa from Mississippi uh, in partnership with the Baptist convention of Iowa. And we started a, a new church down here in Shenandoah. So been here, uh, I think April will be three years, man. It's flown by I still, still feel very new, but, yeah. uh, but gosh, it's almost been three years now.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, so this winter, right. Horrible. Like I'm ready for it mm. to be over. What's the snow situation, uh, down in, uh, Southwest Iowa.
1: So we topped fifty inches this week, uh, for the for the season. Okay. And I think what I've read is that it's it's uh, it's on record, uh, uh kind of comparable to something that happened maybe in the sixties. So uh, man being a Mississippi dude, I uh I was just in pain thinking that this is how it's always gonna be. <laughs> right. So I was happy to hear that this is like a fifty year record or sixty year record of, of snowfall, but yeah, we, uh, we actually got snow last night, uh, two or three inches, man. and it just, just never ends. It yeah. never ends, it seems
0: like. Yeah. Shed rally's coming up this weekend, and, man, I don't know. Uh, it's supposed to it's supposed <laughs> to snow tonight, right? It's snowing out where you're at uh, yeah. right now, so it's actually snowing tonight uh, where I live, and then it's supposed to turn to rain on Saturday during the actual set, shed rally, and so it's going to be like snow sleet and ice and rain and uh, i don't know about you but i don't like shed hunting unless the temperature like at least the sun's shining or the temperatures are warm and i'm not going to get any of those things this weekend
1: well and and just the the fact of uh of the actual snow being down i know you know i've seen some maybe i even following you saw some bare ground here and there dude we we just don't have any yeah i'm not saying you can't find sheds but yeah one thing that's good about that, though, and I'm sure you'll agree, is that right now trails are really, really defined. Yep. And uh, you, even if you can't find the sheds, you can kind of mentally, mentally mark where those trails are. Uh, we still have a bunch of crops standing, too. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, lots and lots of beans and corn are still standing, and man, it looks like it looks like highways around those fields right now. Just as I'm driving by and also. We're in the throes of putting together a list of farmers' names to call <laughs> yeah. to uh, to see if we can go uh, help save some tractor tires. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So let's get into uh, let's get into this year, right? And every yeah. I feel like everybody I talk to. No one really says they've had an okay year or a middle, like middle of ground year. Everybody I talk to, uh, you know, if they don't kill a deer, it's the worst year ever. Or if they do <laughs> kill a year, deer, it's the greatest year they've ever had, right? I, like, for some oh, reason, yeah. no one no one kind of says, hey, man, I had a really good, I, you know, I had a, I had an okay year. I had a decent year. It's either, oh, man, it was an awesome year or, ah, it's horrible. It sucked. And uh, cause, so this year for me, I killed my biggest buck ever uh, with archery equipment and uh hey, yeah so i'm i'm one of those guys right now it's like oh i had the greatest year ever you know i was riding cloud nine or whatever and you on the other hand sounds like man things just didn't go your way
1: <laughs> yeah uh, as i sit here and i reflect on it i started just kind of jotting down some notes uh as i was going over what you and i are going to be talking about and then, as I looked back over it, I thought, you know, maybe my year wasn't that bad. Yeah. And uh, the, the the crappy part of it was my fault. Yeah. And uh, like, like I missed a, a really good deer with my bow this year. And yeah. listen, I practice all the time. That's what kills. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm very. I I am a super target archer right now. And uh, but man, on if if uh, if I'd have been two inches lower, like you and I are talking earlier. This would have been the best year I've ever had.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, because on o- October 11th, man, I, I mean, I had the first cool snap. I had it all planned out. Had been watching the deer and knew what was happening. Knew where to be. He came out like like reading the script, and I zipped it right over his back. Not once. Ooh. Not once. <laughs> <but twice. laughs>
0: so he stuck uh, around. First- he stuck around to give you uh, another shot
1: he uh, the first shot hit a little hit a small small win which i i mean whether that was enough to divert it or not that's what i'm blaming it on yeah and uh he, he came out on the opposite i said all that he did come out on the opposite side of the tree i was expecting mine but uh and then the second shot he you know he didn't know what happened he jumped out into a standing bean field and uh it was 45 yards or so and i was kind of guessing and you know, nerves had taken over and everything else. And I just really, really rushed the shot. So, yeah. uh, and then he stood out in the mainstream and looked at me for about 20 minutes uh, after that. So I got to watch <laughs> I got oh, great video of him right now. <laughs> boy,
0: that sucks, man. So let me ask you this, you know, preparing for a season, you know, like a, there's guys who go out and they, they trim shooting lanes or they, you know, they, they do a lot of prep work You know, whether that's food plots or, um, you know, trimming tree stands out or, you know, doing scouting or whatever. If you were to look back at everything before the shot even happened, what would you have done differently to prepare for that moment?
1: Well, there is one branch of a tree that I would get out of the way at this point that had a twig on it hanging down. Honestly, you know what? I, I had checked that spot so much. It was kind of a perfect storm deal. There's nothing much that I would do differently there. For my little boy, uh, if, if I'm not mentioning him, he, in September, during the youth season, got his first buck. And uh, we had it all set up for the deer to come out in front of us. And it was going to just be perfect, kind of a slam dunk, early season, bachelor group deal. They were all coming in. Uh, This is going to be his first deer to to even attempt a shot at, and it came out in a weird spot, too, that I wasn't prepared for, and I had not trimmed up and cleaned up and all. Yeah, taking that account and then the account where I overly prepared, maybe, for the the shot opportunity at this buck that I shot at, uh, where I learned real quick real quick you need to kind of be be aware that they could come out anywhere and not just yeah. where you expecting them to and yeah i've been watching this deer come out not that deer excuse me this this buck i shot was a deer i'd not seen but uh, i've been watching the deer come out into the same ag field oh gosh three or four days and uh they all use the same trail so i was just thinking on that then i'll be darned they came out clear behind uh, that afternoon that where out when I was in. Right. So just be prepared, man. It's it's not a there are no slam dunks in here honey.
0: Yeah. So if you if you could have done it over again, like let's say you could go back in time with the knowledge that you have right now. Would you have mm-hmm. put the the tree stand in the same location? Would you have put it up the trail a little further? Would you have cut out different shooting lanes? What would you have done differently?
1: yeah so i was anticipating the deer coming from a timber block and going into an ag field however the deer uh so october 11th was kind of the first really cool snap that we had i know it rained some maybe around october 1st through the third but uh but that like i went in to kill that deer i i felt like we were gonna killing that thing so kind of the prep had been done but like i said now having the the info i have now so the trail that i walked in on is where the deer actually came in okay and uh, i had trimmed just enough for me to get in kind of quietly now granted scent was great uh we've kind of taken care of everything there but i think that i would prepare a little bit more by trimming behind me and then my access in. so at least when the deer, if a deer did use that trail that I came in on, uh, the lane would have been open for a clear shot. I could have shot the deer. He was in range for a long time. Yeah. So, um, but I had to wait for him to, to clear. And so, yeah, naturally you'd want to clear a couple of shooting lanes, but I'll say this, uh, again, it was just my nerves. No excuse. It it all worked out perfectly. Yeah. But leaving some of that foliage, really helped me because there were a lot of eyes in that field Gotcha. and uh at that time so there's a really really fine line between trimming a shooting lane and then and exposing yourself too much so uh i was probably 25 feet high so yeah. plenty high and uh and had the tree kind of positioned you know to kill a friend of mine and i went in during the midday uh it was still hot you know we were sweating down trying to get that thing set up to kill um, actually a giant eight point that I was hunting and ended up hunting him the rest of the year. But, um, so yeah, that, that deal, uh, on that particular instance, I would have trimmed maybe just a touch more, not, not much. I had an instance in Kansas though, uh, that really, really boogered me as far as the tree being, the tree stand being not situated really good for my shooting taste was that this year as well yeah yeah i ended up in kansas for uh about six days i guess okay. and um and i had a shooter two mornings in a row same deer used the same field and just i don't know if it's just bullheaded or what i i didn't adjust the tree stand after i saw him the first day because i thought you know he'll never do the same thing twice during right, the rut, right? And I'll be darned. He he did the same thing two mornings in a row. I I took to filming this year, and uh, so that was an added challenge. That was another thing, kind of with the uh, with the October deer that I shot. I was trying to get him on camera by myself, you know, self filming. But uh, but the deer in Kansas, the two mornings of video are identical. Like I could, I had to go back and look at the date on the timestamp. Yep. to remember which instance it was which because
0: they were identical. Yep. Okay. That's that's crazy because um, I feel like that is a problem that a lot of guys don't adjust on. And I am 100% guilty of that uh, specifically, like in the past where, you know, you watch a deer go through an area a certain amount of time and you don't make those changes to, to go and get them. Yeah. I w- I've been guilty of that so much, especially, you know, like later on in the rut where maybe you you were really grinding for, you know, 10, 12, 15 days hunting, you know, chasing deer and then you just kind of get tired and you're just like, man, I don't <laughs> I don't want to have to tear down this tree stand and move it another 10 or 15 yards um and oh, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you know that can make the difference of uh, you know, a, a big deer on the wall.
1: Well, that or if the my biggest thing this year I really let the wind decide where I was gonna hunt this year. Yeah. More so than ever. I, I was really trying to play that and uh I I just think back to now, gosh, when you, I've got this wind set for this wind. I don't want to change
0: it. Right. When you say that, you let the wind dictate you. You know, and sometimes that's good. But what do you mean go into a little bit more detail of that because um I'm I'm the kind of guy who i'm i'm real mobile like I, I try to be as mobile as humanly mm-hmm. possible when uh, especially during bow season um right so talk to us a little bit about um because it sounds to me like you stayed out of certain areas on uh on i guess off winds right try to um
1: it's the farm that i primarily hunt is i call it a uh it's it's not where deer are living. I don't feel like, yeah, honestly, uh, and and that's just what I have permission on right now. I I don't own the farm. It's a, a farmer has been very generous in allowing me to be there, but I feel like the deer uh, on one section of the farm, it's uh, I feel like the deer all live to the north and to the west, and then on the clear other side of the farm, I feel like they all live to the south and to the east. So. Uh, if I had a strong North wind, then I would hunt the one section, you know, where the North wind was going to be blowing away from where I thought the deer were kind of going to be coming from to feed and then, uh, you know, vice versa on, on the other, if there was marginal wind, like a strong East wind or strong West wind, I had a, uh, I had a stand set up in the center of the farm, uh, because I'm, I'm really trying to put all my, Eggs in the basket that these deer are going to be cruising, essentially a creek bottom that I'm that I'm hunting, and uh, so I really tried to play it that way. I have three stands for that big of a farm, but Southwest Iowa is unique. Uh, I don't know a lot of Iowa is this way, And that we don't have tons of blocks of timber. There's right. not just a huge amount of timber, so uh, you know I was trying to find a, a thick. Ditch of grass where the deer crossing naturally, and that's kind of where I was hanging stands. Uh, so actually, stand stand options were were not just prevalent; they're fairly limited, honestly. So you kind of find <laughs> I, uh, on one spot in particular, I just found where I could get a tree stand, and and and, uh, and did that. I've not I've not joined the saddle hunting uh, <laughs> regimen just yet, but. So you know, I still I'm, I'm a dinosaur. I still hang a tree stand and uh, and uh, do that thing. You know, so uh, but yeah, the wind. Uh, the reason I did that is because I had such good luck last year, just with that using that as kind of how I chose where to go hunt. Otherwise, then you know what? I would drive myself nuts saying, "Man, I really want to go sit this stand, but what if he comes out over here?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, I uh, I said I'm going to let the I'm going to let nature tell me where to go sit today, yeah. and, uh, and you know it worked pretty good, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think that's another problem that guys uh, guys have. Uh, well, bow hunters have is I don't know about you, but I overthink things too much when I oh sh- my god, you know, like yes. it's like all right, well. <laughs> This wind is coming at this angle today, but tomorrow it's going to be here. Maybe I should go over here. Well, if I go over here, the access is wrong. Okay, well, once I get to the stand, the wind will be good, but if the deer are coming from this direction, you know, it's just like your brain doesn't shut up, and it keeps talking you out of spots that you probably should be hunting, if that makes sense absolutely yeah and uh i've I've talked myself out of so many good spots throughout the years where it's, it's almost to the point like your brain's telling you to stay home
1: you know what i i have a theory for that you want to hear it yes i do this is the theory trail camera trail cameras have have totally totally i think changed the way i the way i hunt they have added so much to my pleasure of hunting july the 4th that's my every year that's when deer season starts for me uh because i'm not planting or or anything like that food plots. so july 4th i I look forward to that like a i was gonna say like a holiday it is a holiday but for for a different holiday all right and so i run these trail cameras start start running all summer long just because i love deer and i love seeing where deer are and what they're doing and how they're changing they're like our babies right right because we just I, i love them we're I'm a deer lover as much as I am a deer hunter. And so I've run these trail cameras for two or three months. And I know that these two or three bucks, they're, they're showing up. And they live in this natural, in this area. And uh, I understand that, okay, I, I really I really like that one, so I'm going to hunt him. Right? And so I get into the deer season, which we know, uh, once that velvet sheds, man, it's, it's game on. The, yeah. the deer—they're doing their thing. Yep. And so I, I my biggest problem, I think, is I take info from July and August, and I try to apply it as as the gospel truth in October and November, when I should probably in July, August, September be using those trail camera photos as more of an inventory of what kind of potentially is, and not necessarily that's where that deer lives. You've got to hunt right there. Now, it it is where the deer, it it is where he lives, don't get me wrong. But he could also be living a mile from there by two months later. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. I really, like I hunted a ghost buck this year. I, I really spent a lot of time hunting a deer that I had maybe two days worth of trail camera pictures of in August. Yeah. And uh, I passed on a couple of really good deer because, you know, that 190 inch 12 point came through here two days in August. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right?
0: Hey, I'm only uh, laughing. I'm only laughing because I've done the same exact thing.
1: Yep, absolutely. So trail cameras are a major blessing. Dude, don't get me wrong. I, that's one of my favorite things to do. But at the same time, dude, they can. Uh, that can be a hindrance. Yeah. That can be a hindrance to strategy and uh, you go where the deer are right then, yep. you know, not where they were.
0: Absolutely. Necessarily. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So I tell you, man, you, I think you nailed it when you said, you know, you talked about that when the velvet comes off in September yep. and I talk about this all the time, man. I call that the shift because all these, you know, like I have, I have a farm that I'm telling you, I get. Every buck coming through the entire area, coming to this farm during the summer months, and they hang out there. This is where they hang out. So, if you, if I was to base my, uh my optimism, in uh, going into a season off of August and July trail camera pictures, man, I should be killing <laughs> Boone and Crockett's every single year,
1: every right? you know, year,
0: every year, <laughs> right? But. September hits, there's a redistribution of the deer herd, um and there's only a couple that stick around. And, and then sometime in about November, there uh I'd say the second or third week of November, the there's another kind of shift where all the deer that went away make a cruise through the 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 farm that I hunt. They stick around for a couple days, uh and then they they leave. So yep. You know it's one of those things where how how much time and energy do you want to put in to chasing a deer that may never show up on your farm and if he does show up he's there for 48 hours you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean it's kind of the old adage of one in the hands better than two in the bush that's right kind of kind of a deal and uh man i agree with you that's uh that's what makes it fun it's, turkey hunting is the same way you see huge flocks of turkeys and then they they bust up because everybody wants their piece of the pie and so they they leave and go and uh sow their oats and then they they might just like that that big 12 point he might have slipped back through some i mean no doubt he lives within a few miles you know of that farm yep but uh no doubt he slipped back through but uh i i mean dang you can't hunt every minute of every day some posts might be able to i can not yeah i wish i could <laughs> so you, man you do what you can and, yeah i i've developed a new policy this year that uh if it makes my heart go pitter patter, and i'm shooting yeah uh kind of a deal <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely absolutely i and that's uh that's the way that i i look at things too right if it's a deer yeah. that you know a lot of people We'll sit here and tell you, hey, man, you got to shoot four year olds because they're mature or you got to shoot big antler deer. I think that's just a bunch of baloney. And you got to like more hunters need to shoot what makes them happy and not what's going to make somebody else happy. Right. So, you know, I went through this stage in my life where I was passing 150s, 160s, and I hadn't even had a 150 or a 160 on the wall yet. And yeah, I, I, I was like brainwashed, something brainwashed me. Right. And well, I was, I was chasing for this five year period of like a 210 inch, uh, buck. I chased him for five. That can do it. Yeah. (laughs) And, and he was, he was a local deer and he was around, he was on trail camera. Uh, I just, I connected with him on two different occasions, one or three different occasions, one. Uh, I I didn't take a shot where it was just the the back half of his body the second he was behind a whole bunch of trees and the third I arrowed him and uh, I shot too high and he survived the next year and got shot by the neighbor and um, in that period of time I was making all these like great moves from a a strategy standpoint but I wasn't you know I, I should have been shooting some of these deer because what I found out was once you have an encounter with a giant buck that you're chasing, you have no experience shooting smaller bucks, right? So your heart just goes boom, 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 you go crazy, you get buck fever, and then, you know, there's that yeah. there's that old saying that's like, act like you've been there. Well, I had never been there uh, when this buck stepped out, so I kind of, I lost my cool, right? I was just like, oh, what do I do now, you know? And uh, I, I definitely wish I could go back and take another deep breath or maybe shoot some smaller deer throughout the years and, and like get acclimated. So when a big buck does show up, I was, I was ready for it. You know what I mean?
1: I feel like you've been reading my diary. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> man, so- the exact same thing happened to me, dude. Uh, uh, last year, well not this past season, but two seasons ago. And, uh, golly yeah i feel like i've been reading my diary. What? I, I got so excited
0: so have you shot like i know i know it's hard to say because we we get excited when we see antlers right we get excited when we see big bucks we oh get, yeah you know we get hell i get excited if a, a doe doe and a fawn come through right i'm just i love yep. i love deer but with, with all that said, has, have you done anything to kind of prepare, uh, yourself for scenarios like that? Like, um, I don't change release releases. So it's a surprise release on your, uh, archery equipment or, um, practice high pressure shots or sh- like start shooting more deer, if that makes sense. So I, I, I
1: have, I have, and, uh, one of the things that, that I've done and, uh, you know what, it's now that you're saying it and I'm saying it out loud, even after I've done all that, I, I get so excited. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, I hope it never goes away. Honestly. Yeah. I hope it never goes away Yeah. because of you, you, what happens to me, Dan is. So this this deer we call him lover boys, hundred and ninety plus inches. he was one of the very first deer I got a picture of in Iowa. Yeah. I mean, it's just unreal giant and uh I hunted him really hard all year and then on I'll never forget November the eleventh two thousand and seventeen <laughs> he uh he he crossed a cut bean field he was the only deer, and uh I grunted at him three hundred yards away, and he just marched in like a Trojan all the way to me and oh, uh man. I don't think I don't think any amount of prep in the world watching that <laughs> watching that monster would have calmed down what I had going on. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, I I don't I don't know that Valley would have calmed it calmed it down. You know, so uh, that was just a unique experience, man. I watched him for ten minutes, kind of stomp across that field, wide open. There's nothing between me and him, not a leaf between he and I, and uh, but. So after that, I, I shot him really high. I mean, just really high. And uh, maybe another inch I have him, and, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. But uh, it was just no man's land. And got a picture of him that year, and then this past year picked him back up, and he's still a giant. <clears throat> yeah. So some things that I've changed, one, I, I didn't change releases. Because honestly, what I, what I mentioned to you, my practice shooting was so good. I mean, it was really good, and that's not to say, look at me. It's just it, it was really good. I felt really efficient out to 60 yards. I mean, just really good. And so I thought, well, I can't really improve the, my accuracy anymore. But you mentioned like the surprise, uh, the surprise release of the of the arrow or something like that. So what I started doing was on 20 and 30 yard practice shots, I was I would shoot the the arrows i'd set my bow down and i would try to jog out Ah. to grab the arrows jog there and back and then shoot some longer shots yeah just to simulate a higher heart rate yep uh i I did that quite a bit during the summer trying to uh, it's not nerves and it's not adrenaline it's just it's purely your heart rate getting up but at least it's you're breathing a little heavier and you're you're having to rely on calming yourself down to, to shoot so that was one thing that i did in particular and uh it you know it's it's helped a little bit killed a couple of does this year and uh i was excited to see them but at the same time made really good shots you know it it wasn't a big deal and so that's another thing and you mentioned that and i appreciated that uh we're in a position here in iowa where some places can stand some doe control some places are still trying to to uh the herd's trying to recover from years back i'm afraid maybe after this harsh winter we might have a little setback too but yep um uh, but if you can take an opportunity to shoot some to shoot some deer uh there's nothing better than live simulation yeah absolutely <laughs> And so uh a deer moves did you know that a target usually stands still but a deer will move right so uh <laughs> there's nothing better than uh than practicing on the real thing
0: yeah Absolutely, man. Hey, do you when you uh, shoot your deer, do you st- try to stop them, like with a map or something like that?
1: Uh man. I, yeah, I kind of let the let the scenario dictate what's going to happen. I, I don't have a set in stone thing. So, this uh, the deer that I shot on October the eleventh. He, he, I didn't have to stop him. He was in a really good spot. He was feeding. And uh he was calm, everything was good about the situation. So I I was trying to be as quiet and stealthy as possible because about fifteen or twenty deer out in the field at that time. Right. Um the the what I was telling you earlier, the previous uh year where I shot Lover Boy, um, he had stomped all the way across that field and like I said, I grunted at him and it was a wide open field. He gets to forty two yards and he did not see uh, anything he didn't see a buck, yeah. you know he, he that's what he was coming to challenge. Right, and so he cut in. He was beginning to cut into some timber. Uh, I couldn't shoot him where he where he stopped because uh, he was facing me. But uh, when he started to cut into some timber, he was he was kind of getting out of there because he realized uh, you know the deer was gone. So I did. I I stopped him. wanted to stop him. Calm day, clear day, quiet day. He was on pins and needles at, at forty two yards and I just I tried to aim at his heart, but he still uh, he's big deer don't get big and old deer don't get old on accident. That's and right. so he uh he he was getting out of there pretty quick. So I did at him but um uh, I couldn't have shot him walking right that far. Uh you know, if he was twenty yards and might have been a different story. But he was he was forty some forty two yards maybe. And, uh, I don't know, man, just, just a unique and different situation.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit about things that you could have done before the shot. Now you zip two, Mm. you zip two over his back, right? Yeah.
1: I I remember I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Not to like, not to pull the
0: bandaid off, but after. at the, We've talked a little bit about, you know, like pressure and moment of truth. Um, if you could go back, other than aim lower, is there anything that uh, you would have done different at the moment of truth or during dur- uh, during the shot
1: process? Yeah, you might not like this answer, but for this one in particular, there's absolutely something I would have done differently. I mentioned to you that I was still filming uh, uh, the, the hunt, and I've just I dedicated myself this year. Like I am, I am filming all my honey. And uh, I put the camera arm on a on one side of the tree, and the deer came out on the other side of it. And I spent more time messing around with that camera arm, trying to get the video camera on him. And uh, I, I firmly feel like that cost me uh, some nerves, like being able to compose myself, because I had a whole new set of nerves that I didn't know existed. You know, I, I've never done that before, and um, maybe I should have been go hunting, like you said before, to get to get used to actually shooting deer with the with this new equipment. Just it could be anything. Say you get a new bow, or say you get a new release, that's a big deal, or a, or a rifle, whatever. Uh, I was not used to the equipment that I was using at the time, and by the time the moment of truth came for me to shoot the deer, I was so worked up from trying to get him in frame and everything else that I just, all right, here it goes. I got him in the camera. Let's shoot him. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, I mean that, that, I would have changed, changed a lot about that. In fact, I did immediately after I shot the deer, uh, the next day I called a good friend of mine down in Oklahoma who sells a uh, camera arm that's a little more fit for self filming. And I had a new camera on all the way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, that that's more conducive for self-filming so uh some might would hear that and say oh that's that's stupid why are you worried about that but i mean that's something i just i really wanted to do i enjoy nobody ever believes me when i say what i see or do and uh, (laughs) in the deer woods they think i'm making everything up yeah i never am you know it's that's the unique thing about hunting you get to be out with 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 creation, and you get to see it as it's intended to be a lot of times. uh,
0: Especially your buddies from Mississippi,
1: right? Yeah, they don't believe me, man. (laughs) Okay, so how about this? How about this? I shoot this deer that we got, I've got eight, ten deer, fifteen deer out in front of me in this steam field. I shoot him missing. He runs out to hit with the camera. (laughs) You know, at that point, I'm trying to kill the deer because I'm a deer hunter before I am a cameraman. And so the second one, I, same thing, zips over his back. He runs off, I pick up my grunt tube, because they still really don't know what's happening. Honestly, they they ran off another hundred yards and stopped and were looking around. I picked up a grunt tube. I'm not really trying to call the deer back in. I'm trying not to screw up my tree stand set for the rest of the year, because I still, he wasn't the deer I was hunting. The deer was a brand new deer. I've been running trail cameras for three years. Never, excuse me, month. Haven't seen him a bit. Yeah. And so, and so, I, this is a new year. I don't want to screw the set because I still feel like I can kill this 155 inch eight point that I'm hunting. All right. So I grunt, and as I am hunting, 200 yards to my east, three, maybe 250 yards. A ten point, 150 plus inch ten point walks out that I've never seen into the beans, and he's looking all up at me trying to trying to see what's going on. So, man, I tell you what, it's just uh, you can never tell what's going to happen in the deer woods. And so, I've got that 155 inch ten point, a 160 inch ten or twelve point, the deer that I shot, three or four other little bucks. 15 does out in this field all on camera. nobody would have believed me had i, had I not so uh yeah it, it's been valuable to me this year for sure
0: yeah well i'll tell you what man i ended up uh oh man i don't even know what year this was 2013 maybe yeah, it might have been uh-huh. two, 2013 i had an encounter and I, that that was I was still bringing a camera and a camera arm into the tree with me, and I w- this buck I had never seen before shows up, uh, and that was the first encounter I had with this particular buck after like a three or four like uh, which which was going to be like a, a three years four years worth of history of this particular buck, but this was the first time I ever saw him, and. I let him walk through one of my shooting lanes just so I could try to get him on camera. And then I took a bad shot. I hit the deer. Uh, and for me, that is, you know, that was the moment in my life where I'm just like, man, is this filming stuff really worth it? Like I could, I could, have, <laughs> I could have dropped this deer at 12 yards, complete broadside. You know, he was walking at a snail's pace coming through. Um, right. But instead I screwed, I was screwing around with a camera and, I don't know it is what it is so that moment told me man just like put the camera down a little bit this i mean you know this is this is me right i'm not yeah. saying everybody yeah. else because i tell you what i have eight years maybe maybe nine years worth of footage saved on my computer that's awesome to go back and look at yeah. and you know share that information and those stories with my kids or or um my friends but uh yeah man. So let me ask you this. Now now that all this kind of craziness has happened uh mm-hmm. and uh you, you weren't able to connect on the deer that you really wanted to connect on this year because of a whole bunch of different reasons, right? What are you going to what are you yeah. doing let's say starting now or you know to prepare for the 2019 archery season to even stack the odds you know, greater in your favor
1: that's uh, that's wonderful because i yeah i've been I've been thinking about that already, really. Um, I checked with my farmer and uh, asked him if I needed to get my tree stands out of his farm, and he said, no, if you, you go ahead and continue hunting bad if you want to, I treated him, tried to treat him right, and he's treating me well, you know, so uh, I've got access to the same farm, so now i can I can go forward next year. Kind of with the mentality of okay, now I really can dedicate myself to to really hunting this farm well and better. There are a couple of areas that I noticed this year that that deer were constantly coming in and out of. I never saw a big buck over there, but I did see uh, I did see quite a few does and uh, and small bucks coming in and out there. So I think that probably. Uh, I'm going to try to get a tree stand over there uh, at some point in time because during the rut they, the does were always there, and right. I've got to think that during the rut I was just not I couldn't see the entire the entirety of it. I've got to think that some bucks were probably cruising in the mail pretty regularly. Yeah, because if I can see does that often, they've they've got to see them. Right. So I've got that in my in my plans. Uh, if we get a little bit of snow melt, I'm going to try to do some shed hunting. Uh, I don't know how fruitful shed hunting is going to be as far as uh, just information for a farm goes, especially this year for, for my area. Because we've had such a harsh winter and because there are so many standing crops within probably a mile, mile and a half of the farm, I really feel like some of the deer are going to go kind of live closer to those crops or at least be traveling back and forth to them. Yeah. Rather than trying to just get browse uh, on the farm. So we'll see if we can pick them up. I'd like those just, uh, there's one deer, Whop, I call him. He's, he's a giant eight point. I really had him on my heart this year. Uh, I'd love to pick up his sheds. And he was he was a homebody, you right. know. So uh, kind of got that in mind. Again, just taking information that I've, I've had this farm for two years now. Now, Having said that, I've had two years of crop uh, crop rotation. Yep. I, I realize now, after having this information, it's going to go back to how it was in 2017, and I feel like instead of looking, I'm going to take what I learned this year and back in 17, and I'm going to apply it to 2019. Right. So my 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 east side of my farm this this year, the west side of the farm was was on fire as far as that's where i've got every bit of my activity last year didn't see a deer on the west this year that uh excuse me year before last the east side of the farm was the hot was the hot side and so i really feel like i'm going to probably put some more effort on that east side this year and uh see if i can't come up with maybe another tree stand location or two and uh one one thing about the snow is I, I said it's going to be tougher for shed hunting, but at the same time, you and I discussed earlier, there are going to be some really defined trails and things like that within the timber. And so I'm going to use that right now uh, to go and try to figure out where I can be hanging a tree stand. And I'll probably hang some tree stands during turkey season. Honestly, right. I, I might not do them right now. I'd like there to be a little greenery, so I'll know a little bit better how to trim. Uh, I don't want to trim too much, but at the same time, I'd like to go ahead and do as much of that as I can as far as hanging tree stands, but uh, but use this time in the spring of the year to get new sets established from MRI, the most recent inf- information, right. and to get some stuff trimmed up. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Probably put in some mineral as well. Uh, and maybe some, some added food because I, that, that's something I can't get to the farm right now because of snow. I, I mean, it would just be such a long haul for me to walk. Uh, I couldn't take enough to sustain anything yeah. right now, but as soon as we get some access, I think I'm going to take maybe some alfalfa bales or something like that to try to, to try to help the deer recover from what's been a difficult winter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. And that's good strides to, you know, at least you're not stagnant, right? At least you're not sitting there just shooting your bow. You know, you're, you're actively working on strategy throughout the whole year. And I think when a guy does that, you know, I, I try to do the same thing. Uh, when a guy yeah. does that, it just gets him that much closer to not only learning his property, but learning that what, you know, how the deer use that property. So right. it's a win. It's a win, and hopefully it works out better, right? Uh, you know, you don't shoot over. Absolutely. You don't shoot over their back. You you can say, well, I've <laughs> been there before, right? I, all these things that you know, all the mistakes you made in the past, can you can turn flip those, and now this year you're back to, uh, you know, getting that 190 on the ground, man. That would be awesome.
1: Oh man, it's, I I just feel really good about this this coming year. I say that every year, though. I mean, dude, listen, we live in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that I've hunted several other states. I have not found one that I enjoy more than, than hunting in Iowa. Yeah. And uh, so there's, I'm optimistic every time I go to the tree stand. And uh, so I, I I, I don't know, man, I enjoy it so much. Oh, let me, let me say this. I did get to bring the equalizer out during uh, late season, even though it was extremely warm. Like, I wish we could have flipped November and December, right. weather-wise. Right. But, you know, it was what it was. But uh, I, I did lay a, a pretty good buck down <laughs> during the late season with the muzzleloader, so uh, that felt pretty good. I've yeah. not shot a gun in a long time, but uh, after I got my butt kicked all during bow season, I thought, to heck with it, I'm bringing the CVA out. We we hammered one, so it, it was fun. Uh, it was very, uh, very fulfilling, I'll say that.
0: Yeah, Absolutely absolutely well i tell you what man i really appreciate you hopping on and chatting with us today um i'm I'm excited for you as far as you know this upcoming season uh turkey season is just around the corner if it if the snow ever melts and the temperature ever goes down (laughs) we might be able to you know do some turkey hunting but uh i really appreciate your time
1: thank you dan i always enjoy talking to you buddy
0: And that brings us to the close of another podcast. Huge shout-out to Noel. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast. Huge shout-out to all of you for listening to the podcast. Please be sure to subscribe if you're not subscribed already. And if you know an Iowan that might benefit or, or, heck, anybody who might benefit from this podcast, please share the information, show them how to subscribe, get educated on how to uh, download this podcast and uh, just continue to consume some really good content. So thank you guys uh, again for listening and uh, not much to say in the closing, except we'll talk to you next week.